0: Psalms, the twenty-fifth division of the psalm, the twenty-fifth division of the psalm, and we're going to read verse number uh, twelve to begin with this morning. Reminding you that uh, uh, there are sermon notes on the back of your bulletin. We're trying to do everything we can to make it not only easier for you and better for you to to uh, stay awake and stay focused, and uh, but also it's something to take home with you uh, so that you can be reminded of what. Uh, Uh, was said on Sunday morning. Psalm 25 and verse number 12. The New Living Translation says, Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path that they should choose. Notice, He will show them the path that they should choose. I want to talk to you this morning about the power of choice the power of choice. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord today. Thank you, Father, that it is indeed a lamp unto our feet, it is a light unto our path. Father, we just pray today that your anointing, Lord, will be mighty upon uh, the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. Give us ears to hear the word of the Lord, and Father, may we put into practice that which we receive today for the glory of God. We ask in Jesus' precious name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, few things in life are more powerful than choice. Who we are, where we are, and what we are. All of these are the sum total of all of our choices. So I want us to talk about choice today. There are three things that I want to call your attention to today concerning choice. Let me just say, first of all, that our choices, number one, they're abundant. Our choices, they are abundant. Every single day, we must make an abundance of choices. Now, some of them are very minor, and some of them are major. Some simply have to do with preference. Some having profound life-altering possibilities. These choices begin with, what time am I going to get out of bed in the morning? Am I going to get out of bed in the morning? And what am I going to wear today? I don't know about you, but I solved that problem the night before. Now, not my wife. She'll have two or three or four outfits on, and I'll leave the house, and she has one outfit on. She gets to the church in a totally different outfit. I settle that matter before I go to bed the night before. What am I going to have for breakfast this morning? Am I going to have breakfast this morning? Well, well, what route am I going to take to work? Some of you are in such a rut. You don't even know. You know when you leave and when you get there. Maybe you need to alter your route to work every once in a while. What am I going to do when I get home from work? Choices like these that we make every single day. Very, very simple choices. And then there are other choices that we must make in our life. Choices like. Will I go to college? And if I do go to college, which college will I attend? And now that I am in college, what is going to be my major? Other life choices are things like, where am I going to live? Uh, which job should I should I take? Uh, who should I marry? How many children should I have? One mother had five ornery boys and they were really, really ornery one day and they were really kicking their heels up one day and really getting on their mother's nerves. And, and somebody asked the mother, said, if you had to do it all over again, would you still choose to have five kids? Oh, yes, she said, but not the same ones. <laughs> Choices are abundant. We, we're forced to make them every single day. We choose to forgive. Or not to forgive. We will choose to lust. Or look away. Some of you choose to spare one eye. (laughs) We choose to obey God or disobey God. We choose to love or we choose to hate. We choose to have a good attitude. Or we choose to have a bad attitude. We choose to become bitter. Or better. The choices that we make are abundant. We will even choose how we're going to respond to this message on choice. Now we understand without saying this morning that the most important choice that we will ever make in our entire life is the choice whether to accept or to reject the Lord Jesus Christ and the plan of salvation. The wisdom writer wrote about choice in Proverbs 3 and 31, Do not envy the wicked and choose none, Of His ways. We're talking about choices this morning. Let's talk about the second thing about choice this morning. And that is they're arranged. They're arranged. God and Satan both arrange circumstances. And situations that require choice. Now God does it in order to test our faith. Satan does it in order to tempt us to sin. James chapter 1 verse 14 and 15. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Say enticed. And then when desire has conceived it gives birth to sin. And sin when it is full grown brings forth death. Satan entices us with our own sinful desires. He sets us up. And know this this morning: my sinful desires may be different than your sinful desires, and yours than mine. You see, You see, the devil studies us and he discovers our weaknesses. And then once he has discovered our weaknesses, then he lines up circumstances and situations that entice us to sin in the area of our greatest weakness. Such was the case with David and his sinful act with Bathsheba. Let's, let's turn to Second Samuel chapter number 11. And chapter number 12 this morning. A very familiar uh, passage of Scripture. One that I have alluded to many times, but never when I'm talking about choices. We often talk about this when we talk about sin. We often talk about this when we talk about temptation. But, but wow, what an incredible example of the power of choice. In 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, we can see a very clear picture of the power of choice. And there are seven things in this story, seven things in this account that I want to point out to you that have to do with choice. And let me suggest the first one this morning is insight. Insight. Verses 1 and 2 of Second Samuel gives us some insight about choice. Let's read verse number 1 this morning. Second Samuel chapter 11 verse 1 says that it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Now there are two phrases in this verse that I I want to call your attention to. First of all, I want you to notice that it happened in the spring of the year. But notice, it happened, the Bible said, when kings go out to battle. When kings go out to battle. David is the king. This incident, this situation happened when kings, customarily when kings went out to battle. But the second phrase tells us, but David, the king. It happened when kings go out to battle. It is customary that kings are in battle at this time. It happened when kings go out to battle. But David remained at Jerusalem. That's key this morning. That's that's gigantic. You see, David's problems began when he chose, say choose. Choose. David's problems started when he chose to stay home instead of going with his army into battle. Now sometimes we think that our choices don't really matter that much, and especially the the small ones don't matter all that much, we think. If David would have chosen to go with his men into battle instead of staying home... Let me tell you, he never would have seen Bathsheba bathing. He never would have lusted for her. He never would have sent for her. He never would have sinned. We like to point to the fact that David, when he was walking upon the roof, that he saw this woman bathing, uh, and he lusted for her, and he sent for her. And we like to point that out as his downfall. But let me tell you that it began before that. It began by the fact that he made a wrong choice. He should have been in battle with his men. He should have been uh, where kings were supposed to be. But because he was not where he was supposed to be, You see, Satan is well aware of the power of choice. And he is also aware of certain times when we are more vulnerable and more susceptible to making a bad choice. How many understand that the devil never fights fair? He never fights fair. He will manipulate circumstances and he will take advantage of every single situation. Verses 1 and 2 give us some insight into David's bad choice. David is inactive. He's supposed to be at battle. He's supposed to be at war, but he's not. He's at home and he's inactive. He has nothing to do. Perhaps he's a little bit bored. Or maybe he's feeling a little bit guilty because he knows that he should have went with his men into battle instead of staying home and he's a little bit bored. He's a little bit, he's a bit, you know, he's inactive. He's feeling a little bit guilty for not being where he knows that he ought to be. For whatever reason, David cannot sleep. Verse two says, then it happened one evening when David arose from his bed. He can't sleep. And so he gets out of bed and he begins to walk on the roof of his house. Here David is. He's out of place. He ought to be with his men. He should have been in the battle. He's out of place. He's restless. He's bored. He's feeling guilty. All of these things make David vulnerable and more susceptible to Satan. And more vulnerable and susceptible to temptation. Verse 2. And from the roof of the king's house David saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. But I submit to you this morning that David never would have seen her if he had been with his men in battle like he should have been. You see, the devil arranges choices. He sets us up. He takes advantage of us when we are most vulnerable. When we are away from our home, when we are away from our family on a business trip, when we're all by ourselves, when we're all alone in a, uh, in, in a motel late at night and we're all by ourselves and nobody's there. When we've had a fight with our mate and we are angry and when we are angry and, and have had a, a spat with our spouse and we just, we just happen to bump into an old flame. Or we just happen to see an old buddy that invites us to go have a drink. Or whatever. The devil arranges situations uh, oh, where we are forced to make choices when we are most vulnerable. Verse 1 and 2 of Second Samuel 11 gives us some insight into the vulnerability of David which no doubt had an effect on the choice that he made. Notice the second thing about David's choice. It was an informed choice. David's choice was an informed choice. Verse number three. So David sent and inquired. Say, inquired. David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sends people to find out who this woman is and he discovers that she is married. This woman is unavailable. This woman is off limits. This woman is spoken for. And not only is this woman married, the the man that she is married to has gone off to battle. He's fighting in David's army. He's putting his life on the line for David. and He's in danger in a battle that David ought to be ba- battling and ought to be fighting in. Yes, yes, amen. David knows exactly what he's doing. He is deliberately and with full knowledge of the facts making a bad choice. Now it's one thing to make a bad choice when you have limited information. But but to make a bad choice when the facts are crystal clear. This is inexcusable. How many times have we done the very same thing? The alarm bells are going off in our spirit. The Holy Spirit is screaming in our ear, don't do it. Yet we, like David, make bad choices even when we know full well at the time that we, are, that we are stepping over the line and making a bad choice. David knew she was married. He knew it was wrong. He did it anyway. Notice the third thing about David's choice. It was an insistent choice. Verse 4, then David sent messengers and took her. David's people are telling him, she's married. She's unavailable. She's spoken for. Her husband is in your army, David. But David ignores all of this and says, go get her and bring her to me. Perhaps David convinced himself that he would only enjoy her company and her conversation. Perhaps David thought to himself, I know where to draw the line. Friend, too often we have too much confidence in ourselves. Too often we have far too much confidence in ourselves and our ability to come near the line without stepping over the line. Listen friend, wisdom says be like Joseph and not like David. David purposely put his foot as close to the line as was humanly possible. David on the, or Joseph on the other hand ran away from the line. And as a result, David stepped over the line. Joseph didn't. We're talking about the fact that our choices are arranged. Satan sets us up. He arranges circumstances and situations so that we are compelled to make a choice. And Notice yet another thing about David's choice in our text. It was an in, indulgent choice. Verse number 4, Then David took her and lay with her. And she returned to her home. Let me tell you, we just read this and we just think this all happened in a matter of a few moments or in the matter of, a, of an evening or whatever. This didn't happen in the space of a few minutes. Let I me mean, understand that it would take time for the messengers to find out who she was. And then for the messengers to come back to David and inform David, this is who she is. And then for David to tell them, go get her anyway. And for them to go and to get her and bring her to David. It took some time. There was some time. I don't know how long it was. But it wasn't just a few moments. It took some time for all of this to happen and transpire. And if she was like most women, she didn't go with them immediately. (laughs) She was being summoned by the king. She must make herself ready. Oh, I don't have a thing to wear. and what will i do with my hair it's not like david hadn't had time for his hormones to cool down he's had time to think this thing through he's had time to come to his senses he's had time to count the cost but he wants her her and so he indulges himself knowing full well that he is making a terrible choice and how often do we make bad choices simply to indulge ourselves and satisfy our flesh we know we shouldn't we know what the consequences are we know how guilty we are going to feel later And yet in order to satisfy the immediate cravings of the flesh, we indulge ourselves. Let's look at another thing about David's choice. It was an infectious choice. An infectious choice. If we would take time this morning and read verse Number 6 of chapter 11 down through verse 7 of chapter 12, we would discover that there are a whole host of people who become involved and are affected by David's choice. Bathsheba's marriage is destroyed, her husband is murdered. Joab, an officer in David's army, is placed in a very precarious situation when he is ordered by David the king to place Bathsheba's husband in a strategic place in battle that will guarantee his death. He has to literally pronounce a death sentence on Bathsheba's husband. And what about the baby that David and Bathsheba conceived while she was married to another man? And what about all the people who knew of this scandal? The people that David involved. And they knew about this scandal, and they would either have to keep their mouth shut or risk being killed by the king. And even the prophet Nathan was brought in on this situation. How often is the prophet brought in? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've been brought in. As the pastor, I've been brought into a situation that I had nothing to do with. But before it was all said and done, both parties shot me. Yeah, I had nothing to do with the situation. Nothing. But I was brought in under the situation. And before that, it was all said and done, I become the bad guy. even Nathan the prophet brought in on this situation somebody said it well when they said no man is an island because everything that we say and everything that we do affects other people our choices are infectious they have a domino effect oh people wrongly think oh what's the big deal it's my life It's my life, what I say and what I do affects only me. If I make a mistake, if I make a wrong choice, no big deal. It will only affect me when I speak my mind on a matter. Don't I have a right to speak my mind? Don't I have a right to state my opinion? It's just me. It will only affect me. Wrong. Everything we say and everything we do affects other people. The simple choice of whether to go with his men into battle or stay home. This very simple choice, this one wrong, bad choice started David on a string of bad choices that would eventually affect a host of people. But it started way back with just a simple choice. Do I go or do I stay? Notice the sixth thing about David's choice. It was an interrogated choice. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, God sends Nathan the prophet to interrogate David. We need to be reminded God sees all and He hears all. Proverbs 15 and 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch over the evil and the good. David tries to manipulate things and cover up his actions, but listen, there is one that cannot be manipulated. There is one from whom you cannot hide or cover up anything from. Listen, friend, God sees all and God knows all. And God sends His prophet Nathan to David to interrogate him. Don't think that you can make bad choices in your life without being interrogated by God. Because God will deal with us about our indulgence and about our infectious choices. And please understand this. I want you to hear this this morning. Hear this part this morning, please. Please understand this. It is out of His love for us that He deals with us. It is out of His love for us that He interrogates us. It's out of His love uh, for us that He convicts us and deals with us. He knows what the consequences are for our actions. And so to spare us of of the consequence of our action, to get us off of the wrong path and get us back on the right path, for these and a host of other reasons, He deals with us. Finally, notice the seventh thing about David's choice. It was an indicted choice. Second Samuel chapter 12 and verse 7, Nathan said to David, You are the man. You're the jerk I've been describing. You're the guilty one I'm talking about. of your wrong choice many lives have been negatively affected verse 14 listen to this boy write this underline this in your bible verse 14 because by this deed say this deed David because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord what I do doesn't matter it only affects me it doesn't affect anybody else Because by this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. We all like to talk about being used by God. And all of us have a desire to be used by God. I'm going to tell you, God uses people to do His work. But so does the devil. We love to talk about God using us. And we want to be used by God. And that God, when God does something, when He works it, He always uses people to work through. He works through people. God does His work through people. But let me tell you that the devil does the same thing. He also uses people. He does His work through people. And a lot of people don't understand and realize that they're being... Manipulated and used by the devil. Because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. How many of our choices cause great harm to the work of the Lord? How much harm do we bring to the work of the Lord when we choose to gossip? Oh, I'm not gossiping. I'm just sharing. No, you're gossiping. Well, it ain't gossip if it's true. Yes, you've gossiped. And gossip is being used by the devil. How many of our choices cause great harm to the work of the Lord when you choose to portray a bad attitude? How much harm do we bring upon the work of God when we choose to sacrifice our Christian witness in order to satisfy our flesh? And how much harm do we cause the work of the Lord when we make bad and unwise choices? I'm talking about the power of choice today. You see, few things in life are more powerful than choice. And this is why Satan arranges situations and circumstances that demand that we make a choice. This is why the devil takes advantage of every single situation by offering us choices. When we are when we are tired and when we are weary or when we are bored or when we are inactive or when we are all alone and all by ourselves or when we are out of town when we are away from people that don't know us in times like these. Oh, we need to guard ourselves more. Three things about choice this morning. Number one, our choices. Number one, they are abundant. Number two, they are arranged. And number three, and finally and quickly this morning, they must be assisted. We should seek assistance in making all major choices. And we should seek assistance in two areas. Two questions that we ought to ask. before we make a major choice in our life. And the first one is, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? You see, the Bible contains all the information that we need to to make good choices in every area of our life. The Bible doesn't just tell us how to get to heaven and how to stay out of hell. The Bible tells us how to choose a mate. Tells us how to get along with that mate once we've chosen. Tells us how to handle our money. Tells us how to, how to get along in relationship. The Bible, everything that we need to know how to live our everyday life can be found in the Bible you got to look for it sometimes, but it's in there. It's in there. Let's read Proverbs chapter 2 verse 1 through 11 real quickly this morning. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver and seek for them like hidden treasure. If you do that, you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to Him. Notice the next three verses. Then you will understand what is right. What is just and what is fair. And you will find the right way to go. If you seek the word of God. And you seek the wisdom that comes from the word of God. Then you will understand what is right. You will understand what is just, what is fair. And you will find the right way to go. You will be able to make a right choice. For wisdom will enter your heart. When is wisdom going to enter in my heart? When I fill my heart with the book. That's what he just said. We don't, we forget about what he said in those first few verses. He's telling us what the effect of it is. But earlier he said we're going to have to seek wisdom. We're going to have to seek God. We're going to have to seek His knowledge, His wisdom. For wisdom then, because we have sought God, we've asked God, we've, we've studied His book, then wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Notice verse 11. Wise choices, wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. You don't have to keep making those dumb mistakes you've been making. I said it as nice as I could. <laughs> Before making any major choice in life, we should seek assistance, assistance from two areas. What does the Bible say? That's why you need to know more than just John 3.16. John 3.16 will get you to heaven. But tomorrow you need to go to work. <laughs> this afternoon you need to go home with your wife or your husband. You need to deal with those snotty nosed kids. And tomorrow you're going to have to deal with the boss. Or you are the boss, you're going to have to deal with those no good, no count employees. Hallelujah. Except me, I got wonderful employees. Amen. Bible tells me what kind of boss I'm supposed to be. Bible tells me what kind of worker you're supposed to be. Don't make any major choice without seeking assistance. Ask yourself two questions What does the Bible say? Number one, and number two, ask yourself What do the believers say? What do the believers say? Acts 15 and 28, they had a major decision to make in the early church. And so they had a board meeting. That's right. They had a board meeting. They had a major decision to make in the early church. So they called the elders of the, of the New Testament church together. They had a board meeting. They had a council to make some major decision. And here's what they said. They said in Acts 15 and 28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Sometimes we only talk to us. Sometimes we only talk to the Holy Spirit. No, no. It needs to be good with both. They said it's. It seemed what their, the decision that they made seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It bore witness with our spirits. What do the believers say? Proverbs eleven and fourteen says, "Where there is no counsel, the people will fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety." Proverbs 12 and 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. So before making major major choices in our lives, we should should seek counsel from mature, settled, godly, proven saints that are successful in the area where we must make a choice in. I'm going to say that over again because I want you to get all of that before making major choices in our lives, we should seek counsel from mature, say mature, Mature. settled, Settled. godly, Godly. proven, proven, people of God. Listen, who are successful in the area that we need help in. I've said it before, I'll say it a hundred times again. Don't seek financial advice from somebody that's broke. (laughs) Dummy. (laughs) Don't go to somebody that's broke and ask them about financial advice. That's stupid. I'm not talking about you. You guys would never do that. And don't seek marital advice from somebody that's been divorced five times. Yeah, they got experience. (laughs) And they hadn't learned yet. God sees all, He hears all. Don't seek parental advice from somebody who's estranged from their kids. How many understand you will receive wise counsel from wise people? Now, not even, no one is all wise. No one is successful in every area of life. You can be very successful in one part of your life and just blow it in another. I mean, I know some awesome parents that can't pay their bills. So talk to them about how to raise their kids, but not how to pay your bills. I know some people that are incredibly successful financially, but they're terrible with their family. Nobody has it all together. Amen? Amen? And let me tell you that your mom and your dad love you. But just because they love you, that in and of itself doesn't mean that you ought to always take their advice. I'm not talking to little kids now because little kids aren't in here. You should love them, you should honor them, you should allow them a voice. But if they are not successful in the area where you need counsel in, seek out a believer that is successful in that particular area and ask them to assist you in guiding you in that particular area. The uh, uh, Musicians and singers would get back in place this morning. Talking about the power of choice today. You see, few things in life are as powerful as choice. You see, who we are and where we are. I don't like where I'm at. Well, guess whose fault it is. I'm just full of compassion today, ain't I? I got so sick when I lived out in West Texas and it is ugly out there. I used to get so sick of people griping about living in West Texas. I wanted to put a bumper sticker on mine that says, if it's so good from where you were, then go back. (laughs) If it was that good where you came from, do us both a favor and just go back. You in West Texas? Because you chose to move there. So you chose to move there, so make the best out of it. Amen. I could say a little bit about this humidity here. I get a little tired of the humidity myself here. Who we are, where we are, what we are. of these are the sum total of the choices that we have made in our life the good news is this morning God doesn't throw us under the bus when we make a bad choice God didn't throw David under the bus. were there consequences for his actions absolutely there always is but the Bible tells us that David repented. And because David repented, God forgave him. And God continued to use him. Pastor, is there any hope for me? I made a bad choice. I, I made a terrible bad choice. Is there, any, is there any hope for me? Yes, yes, there is. Oh, oh, God, Pastor, can God still use me after making such a horrible choice? Absolutely. of people who made wrong choices repented and were used mightily once again by God God doesn't throw us under the bus when we make a poor choice and who are we to throw people under the bus when they make bad choices may not have made that bad choice, but all of us have made bad choices in our life. Would you stand with me this morning, please? Father, we just pray today that you'll take the Word of the Lord. Take the Word of God today, Lord, that has been preached under the anointing of your Spirit. Take your Word today, God. Let it do an incredible work in hearts and in lives today. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Nobody's looking about today.